and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet where in a week that Roman Reigns announced that he kicked cancer's ass We are here to talk about something which has been five years of absolute epicness and brilliantness and lots of words that I could go on all day talking about as we're talking about the history of NXT TakeOver as we'll be going through what we've voted as the greatest matches in NXT TakeOver history and it's pretty much just going to be 90 minutes of us talking about probably the best thing in the WWE product. You can debate it all you want, David Hockney, it's true. <laughs> 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 you got the best thing on WWE No, 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 Hagen Hoot. But before we digress, let's meet today's panel. First, much like Brexit and Pat McAfee, he just won't go away. He is the ESSR champion, Scott McLeod. How dare you compare me to Pat McAfee? I triumphed out and taking back what I should never have lost in the first place at the square goal. Yes. I like he didn't mind being compared to Brexit. <laughs> of the Angelico's Crotch Fan Club as a cross <laughs> <save you. laughs> Oh, I'm not going to that down. Could you explain to the listeners? Right, <laughs> someone took a picture of me while I was taking a picture of Angelico. It just so happened that through his legs, you can see me taking a picture and it looks like I'm a creep. <laughs> looks like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay, everyone knows I'm a bit creepy. Everybody knows, but now it's it's more common knowledge than what it was before. <laughs> uh, next up, he's turned heel so many times that he's dizzy and has no idea what year it is, which explains why he thought Jeff Jarrett's recent raw appearance was pretty damn normal. It is, of course, James Murphy. <laughs> was he not in the square goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't keep track of Jeff Jarrett. I mean, I thought he was all done for with that. Was he not doing a pyramid scheme selling gold on TNA? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was. It was Global Force Wrestling gold? I don't know. <laughs> he comes out with his essential oils. I think. Oh, that was something James has brought. Priceless. Oh. My gold! <laughs> Good to have you back on the show. It is fun. Uh, next, he claims to be the greatest of all time, but he can't arrange a simple trip back from Spain properly. That's David Campbell. I will say that the four and a half hour car journey from Valencia to Barcelona was very scenic. So, <laughs> it was worth it for something. <laughs> David, you're very modest about what your events of the weekend. Are you spare change in the tin holder? I am the new spare change in the tin holder, but really I like to think of myself as the Roscoe insurance policy. As long as I'm around, Scott McLeod's championship reign will be very, very safe. Yeah, asks you loads of stupid questions before it puts out. <laughs> <laughs> I need to back up with the media quiz coming in a few weeks. <laughs> Watch it, you two. And rounding off our panel, they say you can't choose your family, which is the only plausible reason why I associate with this man as Gary Gilman. <laughs> well, the yeah. feeling is very much mutual, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be, I, I slagged Derek equally last week, I had to do it. Well, I, I like to f- refer to some of my cousins, and especially my brother Derek, as simply as spare parts. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when you might need a spare kidney. <laughs> 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 
fair, to be fair, if you met us, you would understand. <laughs> it's a very accurate representation. Derek immediately goes to his lawyer to change his will. <laughs> and finally, he's the nugget with the ego as big as his cable package. <laughs> yes, it is Kwaku Ajay. Oh, you got my name right this time around, thank you. Yes, I've learned after various days of pronunciation training. Yeah. It took you two years to know how to spell my surname. That's true, I was very bad at doing that one. <laughs> so yes, we are here to talk about the history of NXT TakeOver. If you've never listened to us before, we have a massive back catalogue bigger than certain things. <laughs> Guess for yourself. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us. We're on all good podcasting sites, Android, uh, iTunes and Spotify. We're also on all so- social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating. Be generous. We're not just people who slag each other and claim to be friends. Or spare parts. (laughs) (laughs) I played the wrong idea about the show for years. (laughs) Sorry, I should probably note to the listeners um, that David bought Schluer for him. Scott and his... Well, we are in the middle of our championship and spare tin celebration right now for Roscoe. We are half sweets. I'm quietly sitting here. I'm enjoying this moment. (laughs) Never complain. Sitting there with these pinky hair. Never. (laughs) See that? I never complain. So, we're talking... We are outlining what we voted as the greatest NXT TakeOver matches. Now, to let the listeners know, we went through a rigorous process of choosing our eight matches. <laughs> Random chance. It was painful. <laughs> yes, um, we each, between us, we all picked what was the best match on each respective TakeOver, so that narrowed it down to 24, which was quite hard because it was someone's late TakeOver New Orleans that had two five-star matches. Mm. And after that, we then ranked each of the matches from 1 to 24, the rankings were combined, and that's how we got our eight matches. The panel have went through a lot of pain in the last couple of weeks. Yes. <laughs> it didn't help you calculate with my tell Hurry up with your rankings, like, how can I choose? They're all so good. <laughs> Should have done what did, they miss half them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've got eight matches, we're going to pick them all from the worst of the eight to the best. Now, we're going to start today's show by going through two matches which were joined eight and seven. Now our scores are going to be out of 168 for those of you at home who are trying to figure out these ranks. A bit of an insight for you I feel like Dave with my stats here. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the first two matches we're going to talk about, they took place for, at NXT TakeOver Dallas and NXT TakeOver War Games 1. It is the matches between Alistair Black and the Velveteen Dream and Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura, which got a score of 114, Ooh. respectively. Let's start with um, uh, Black versus Dream. I'm going to go to James on this one. Uh, James, um, this was a match that I think many people thought performed above expectations. There was one thing that stood out to me from this match, and it was when Velveteen Dream taunted Alistair Black throughout the match. And then at one point, Alistair Black has him on the back foot and he just says in his you know, I'm not trying to offend him your slightly strange Dutch accent he says enjoy infamy Velveteen Dream then Black masses him across the face and ends the match I really liked that because this was the match that made Velveteen Dream into the star that he is today yeah. Yeah. this was his defining moment and he had great matches in NXT but this was his Austin and Bret Hart it was great it was the difference between that is, is it's two bigger than wrestling personalities. Velveteen Dream's got his very showmanship, Prince, 
a standing in the limelight gimmick and Alistair Black has his aura of um, almost sort of like pure presence I would say as opposed to showboating mm. he's all integrity and he's all show mm. and this was the match that really put almost both of them on the match obviously oh, yeah. Alistair Black had great matches but this was the first one where you went okay wow I know what his character is now Yeah, and you know hopefully this is the match they look to when they put Alistair Black or Velveteen Dream on the main roster yeah, you're spot on, David. They kind of said that there. Uh, a lot of people wrote off the Velveteen Dream gimmick when it first came about, totally. and then this was kind of the thing that kind of brought them to a lot of people's attention. I think a lot of people were worried it was going to go the same way as a Tyler or Breeze or Adam Rose, and that it yeah. was all gimmick and no, it was all sizzle and no uh, steak. That I think that's what people were worried about. But in this match, it's like what James is saying. He showed he wasn't just that. He showed he was a fighter. He showed he was a warrior at the same time. And he also showed he was a viable underdog babyface, which they finally seem to sort of be doing him with from now. They've turned him into this dual role as the arrogant showman, but also this guy that you can't help but get behind. And this was the match that sort of showed that duality to the Velveteen Dream character. I'm actually I'm directing a film right now. In our first table read, I got all the cast to watch this match because I was like, look how well invested in the characters and how much they encapsulate the roles they're playing Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream are and that's what I wanted to show them just how these people totally get the idea of kayfabe and to stay invested in a gimmick yeah. Was Alistair Black not the baby face in this match? It was the he baby was. face in this match but oh, the way yeah. the match was put together the, yeah, yeah. the strikes that Velveteen Dream took yeah. and managed to get up back up from it just it showed the crowd started to get behind Velveteen Dream mm-hmm. more than they go behind Alistair Black here Yeah I mean you took a lot of people touch upon the Velveteen Dream character, but they say uh, <laughs> Alistair Black was more, he was a, pretty much a striker in a lot of his matches before this. This is when we first started to see some sort of character development in Alistair Black. Oh, definitely. I mean, what people tend to actually thought about Alistair Black was that he was just this mysterious guy. He would just not say a word, he wouldn't cut a promo, and it did leave you wondering what was actually going on with his character. Mm-hmm. And it's like literally come in, hit you, and he buggers off. Basically, that's all it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. I felt like this was actually the big development in his character. Like you actually start to see a little bit more character come out uh, of Alistair Black simply because of Velveteen Dream. But they two mashed off against each other so well. Like mm-hmm. even in the lead up to the match, during the match. I mean, it's it was a, it was a point of like him not giving him any attention, and we all know what the Velveteen Dream is like. Like I had been backing him. Since the very beginning, like when they had like the wee vignettes, and I was like, "Oh, what's this? What's what's going on with this?" Yeah. Um, and plus, his trousers. His <laughs> trousers. <laughs> you mentioned the lead up to the match, Sarah. Um, they had that "Say My Name" part. To <laughs> it, uh, I know that could have been taken them from "Say My Name," <laughs> <laughs> where he sort of almost uh, was d- well, d- uh, dismissive, almost. Or mm-hmm. uh, Black was dismissive of Dream. And then it was, we got that moment, as James mentioned, just at, towards the end of the match where he acknowledged him for the first mm-hmm. time. He had that moment of respect. <laughs> and then that moment of respect before he kicked his head off. <laughs> yeah, Scott, it's a nice nod at the end of the match where he kind of, yeah. Velveteen looks like he's had, he's been out on the lash for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> crawling across the mat and then Black just goes, by. Velveteen. Yeah. yeah, you look at these matches, like, also they're all great matches, but as well as that, you can constantly talk about the stories behind them and how invested you will get. Um, I think when you really think about trying to explain to somebody more, a bit more casual to NXT, oh, what's the story about this? Oh, he wants me to say his name. 
they might not get that it's, first. This flamboyant character now, wants this creepy. No, but it's the whole thing. He wants the attention, and Black knows that, so he refuses to get like even a promo called him Patrick. He wouldn't call him Velveteen <laughs> <Bill> Dream. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like the whole crowd was chanting to say his name, and the the pop he gets when he finally does say it, like mm-hmm. just like you don't see that. Like something so simple, yet everyone's so invested in that. It was, it was quite good as well. We kind of got. He wasn't really in a long match up until that point in Dream, so we kind of got to see his repertoire a wee bit and some of the things he was pulling off. I mean, the kind of. Match of the Year, don't it? It got Match of the Year. Yeah. Feud, no, it didn't get Match of the Year. Feud of the Year, yeah. But some of the things, it was kind of like, was it the DDT he does now? It was kind of the Sister Abigail position. The DDT mm-hmm. looked like, like such a great yeah, move that time. Kind of the Technodrome that PT Gunn does, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's the exact same. Pretty much that is the move, actually, it's got very well done. That's why you're a champ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it wasn't. You know <laughs> it was a match and it hit a great match and it helped put people put both men on the map. Shows how good a match it was that we picked it over the actual War Games match, which was a match everybody was looking forward to that on that particular card. So they did well to kind of stand out, especially it was quite early on in the card. Second match in, mm-hmm. uh, all usually second match in's got a lot to live up to it. Takeovers usually follows the tag match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tag matches always steal the show. So, uh, Actually, a fun fact of our top eight, that's got the lowest rating by Mr. Meltzer. He's a hack. He is. Well, it was fun. He, it, it was fun, so he has to hate it. Well, they got, he, they got, four, they got four out of five. So. He shit-talked Coffee versus Pete Dunne and he said, oh, there used to be any finishers. You ever seen a New Japan match? It is 90% finishers. Mm-hmm. Fuck Meltzer. <laughs> I'm contributing to the tin this week. What could you <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. If you like to put it in my tin, I'm more than happy to put it in the tin. Cut that. Uh, <laughs> non, he's, he's bad. <laughs> no, just, I don't just like stop begging, James. I put, I put stock in Ed's opinions when it comes to wrestling, but see, like the War Games match as well, I think he didn't give that too high a grade uh-huh. either. Not from what I would have expected. I can't really remember, but uh, well, now we'll move away from Mel, so we're kind of talking about the other match that kind of got the joint score of 1 1 4 of our rankings. It's uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. Um, Gary, I'll go with you in this one. Um, has there been a debut in NXT before and since it was as highly anticipated as Shinsuke Nakamura's going into this point? Oh, I don't think so. The, I rewatched this match at the weekend. The, the reaction, that, I mean, that was a hot crowd. Mm-hmm. And when Nakamura was coming to the ring, the reaction of the crowd, um, the holy shit kit chance as he was coming to the ring. I mean, the man just walked a couple of, you know, even 100 yards. Mm-hmm. They don't get a fight forever as well, didn't they? Yeah, and they got that before they even started, didn't oh, they? Before yeah. they even started. In a way, it kind of made me sad re-watching this match to think that if this match happened again in SmackDown, you wouldn't have the reaction, you no. wouldn't have the emotional, no. you know, the audience would be pretty cold, whereas this audience loved everything they did. There was a moment in the match, I think we all, if you had, everybody would have put their money on Shinsuke winning the match, but there was a, a moment when, um, when Sammy hit the ball with Thunderbomb that I thought oh he, he actually is going to win here he's never <laughs> I know. anyone with that in his <laughs> no I not uh, once one of the bits I love you mentioned about the, the audience reaction to it the, the, when they were exchanging punches towards the end of the match when they were sort of a bit punch drunk and the audience just lapped up every minute of it it was it was a great match yeah. a great moment amazing debut yeah it was something um, we talk, obviously about Shinsuke but Sarah 
you were kind of shaking your head as Gary was talking about who was going to win this. <laughs> Sami Zayn, this was the 10th takeover to that point, the one at Dallas. Uh, of all the matches we've actually picked on the 24th, Sami Zayn was the joint MVP of them all. He, had, he was oh, involved yeah. in five. So considering this was the 10th takeover and that he was involved in five matches, just shows how much of a star he was in NXT at this point. Well, see, at that time, he was considered the heart and soul of NXT. Like, in this match, like, going back on what Gary said, like, the, the anticipation... Like, I went into this match not not actually, admit, like, I will admit, I wasn't big on New Japan at that particular time. Mm-hmm. Still not huge now, but I'm getting there. But um, just the, the actual reaction when he was announcing, like, I was watching the lead-up as well, and just the look on Sammy's face, saying, like, like, you've been rewarded for all the hard work you put in, and just the, like, the look on his face, and you're like, right, he's even impressed. This, might, this guy must be, like, a huge deal. Like, I was not familiar with Shinsuke, so I think this is sort of... I was sort of leading towards Sammy. Of course, like I backed Sammy from from like the first time I saw him. I was like the true underdog, and that's what I did love. But um, no, Sammy Zayn at that time, like he was like the sort of OG heart and soul of NXT at that particular time. Yeah, it was spot on. And I mean, the thing as well about it as well, Scott. Um, we spoke about this earlier on before the show. Um, some there's some takeover cards that are weak and they're kind of yeah. helped by certain matches. Was this an example of it? I mean, I. I look back at this paper, this takeover, and this is the one match that's always stands out for me. I can't really remember much else that goes on in this actual takeover without re-watching it. No, like, there were a lot of good matches going on, like, a lot of anticipation, like, American Alpha had a feel-good moment at the start of the show. I think it just, it just speaks to how good this match was that eclipsed all of that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was like, said, I didn't know a lot about New Japan before Shinsuke came in, and we did kind of this match to get one of the first ever, like, Fight Forever chance, and sadly that thing hasn't gone away. <laughs> fight forever and it's just like Kevin Owens versus a pizza like, like, I remember what Osprey is when like well Osprey hates you and that was no I don't want to fight forever I'm tired I want to go home now <laughs> but yeah like I want, you wonder the crowd's such a big part of this match you, I wonder if you listened to it with the sound off would it be similar to Rock Hogan like obviously Sami Zayn yeah. and Nakamura are better workers than Rock Hogan no disrespect to anybody but the crowd was such an important part of it. Would you lose something if you watched it with the sound off? Like everybody says, Rock Hogan is not the same if you don't listen to it with the sound on because the crowd plays such an important part in the match. Well, we saw that in Raw this Monday, didn't we? With the with the call ups for last week, sorry, with the call ups of the NXT oh, Big Four, uh, Alistair Black, Ricochet, and then DIY. And any other city, any other time, oh. those debuts would have been red hot. Mm-hmm. But that crowd in that night, for some reason, had all taken it's, sleeping pills at the exact oh, same time. It's like they lived under a rock and had no idea who these guys were. Yeah. So obviously, Pat McAfee released a video trashing. So I mean, the thing, the thing, the thing you have to remember about NXT is though you look at the match and you have to, you do have to in terms of wrestling eliminate the crowd factor because, and I rewatched this match, you take away the crowd, have to be harsh. It's not that good. It's okay. Now Sami Zayn throws the weakest punches next only to Shane McMahon. He's, oh, oh, he throws, a bold, he, that is a bold statement. If, if Brock Lesnar throws potatoes, Sami Zayn throws marshmallows. They're terrible. Hmm. I have to disagree. I thought these guys had like absolutely natural chemistry coming together for this one match. and It, it was the perfect person to have Nakamura's first match against because you set Nakamura up as this dangerous striker, this king of strong style. Who else do you put him up against? The guy who can take any amount of punishment you give him and still stand up and take more of the heart and soul of NXT mm-hmm. so they said and it was great to set up a new finishing move the fact that Corey Graves had that Kinshasa yeah, call that was, that was down that, from match that was, one that was the start of Corey Graves' yeah. love for the Kinshasa it's one of the yeah. best the finishing calls 
wrestling history. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so. It's so good, and it set that up as a dangerous match end and finish. That inver- what's the name of the inverted suplex he does before that? Is it just the inverted suplex? The, 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 the Cena killer. Yeah. Yeah. The Cena <laughs> killer. He hit the Cena killer, and then the kin- <laughs> Kinshasa killer. I was like, whoa, that's badass, man. I loved it. You said like the match itself. Like, out of all these matches, this is the least story going into it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's just simply, Sammy's about to go up, he needs, Nakamura needs an opponent. But it doesn't take it away at all from the match. It's still a good match. Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't even in the arena, but I was, like, I was watching this at my home in, in my house. And he did a cigarette after the match. You can only imagine being in the match or being in the yeah. arena. But you got to think about it. Smoke. Uh, with NXT, they've kind of done this thing of, we debut big names in the crowd. But this this was the one of the few times you can remember they got a big match. Him Black got big matches, but I think it kind of helped. It was such a star. He's such a star in Japan. Nakamura just like this is not the first time they did that thing in the crowd because they did Roots uh, that takeover appeared in the crowd. Was that the first time they did that? I can't remember exactly. It's not something again. Like I said earlier on, this is the one thing about this takeover I remember very, very vividly. This, this is this the match. only thing I remember. Yes. Some yeah. takeovers sort of blend together <laughs> at certain points in time. You're like, you remember, you remember this American Alpha and the crowd turning on the main event, and the crowd goes mild. <laughs> <laughs> you think after you mentioned the NXT call-ups, the debut of those four uh, incredible athletes in Raw was really underwhelming. Triple H in the ring saying. These guys are going to be here tonight, His and then you got these. No, and then you got this, you know, silly behind-the-scenes skits of people making fun of the, of them. Yeah. Uh, you think if anything, WWE over the years would have learned how to make impactful debuts. Yeah. Nakamura this night made an impactful debut. They did it with Kevin Owens as well. He turned mm-hmm. up and annihilated Cena. His mm-hmm. was one was all, all right because they obviously got to. Cena kind of yeah. put himself over then he got the big match going. you kind of hope that the, the, the NXT 4 as it'll probably now be called will have the opposite effect compared to what Nakamura's had big first match debut and now he's yeah. technically Rusev technically he's jobbing out to to be fair, to be fair he sold that kick something awful oh, yeah. oh, that's <laughs> if you've not seen that sale you've got to see it but that's the matches that we picked as 8 and 7 now we're going to go to the match that was pick 6 now our, seven, our 8, 7, 6, 5 and 4 were all very close 3 points in it Ooh. in total uh, I'm going to go now to David Campbell for match number 6 because he voted this as his number 1 this was it my favourite match Yeah, it was Bailey and Sasha at NXT TakeOver Respect which got 115 from us as a total yeah. David why was this your favourite match? well there's reasons that I actually placed this ahead of the Brooklyn match we'll come to the what I the t- tiny problems I have with the Brooklyn match later on. The one thing I love about this match, 30 Women Iron Women match, is the pacing of this match is absolutely superb. This yeah. match went by so quickly for me, I th- forgot that it was a half an hour long affair. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I want to bring up immediately off the bat, Sasha Banks' heel work in this match is the best heel work I've oh, seen yes. in wrestling in the last 10 years. The way that she screams at that little girl to get her in the family <laughs> in the front she row. Steals her. Headband off her as well. And that's the thing, like, part of this is really personal for me because at this time I was watching it with my youngest sister who sort of grew out wrestling at this point. But she was watching NXT with me in this match and she was so invested, like, screaming at the television screen when Sasha went in Izzy's face and stuff. And it was just like, people talk about the women's evolution and it bringing a young female audience into the product. And sometimes we sort of dismiss that. But this match showed to me that, yes, this sort of representation for the female women's roster is important. And for me, this was the turning point for it because it's the match that I. 
watched and I took it so so seriously and I was like this is by far the best wrestling match I've seen in the last 10 years purely because of the storytelling the pacing and the emotion of that full sale crowd because this is the only match that we are talking about that took place in front of the full sale audience and I thought that was very very fitting for this affair between two of the stars of NXT yeah uh, guys a good point to go to you obviously as a Farrell, to one of the biggest Bailey fans in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this a match, one of the first matches that you and Lucy kind of watched? Yeah. Back in terms oh, of- it was nice re-watching this match um, because it was back to a time when all was right in the world. <laughs> 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 Bailey was reigning champion. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. And actually, when you were talking about Lizzie, you, Izzy, you could take Izzy out and put Lucy there. And if Sasha Banks had pulled Lucy's headband off, or she'd have been heartbroken and crying and wanting to fight her. So, and it's absolutely that match is an absolute turning point for the women's evolution. Um, it was the main event. I think it was probably one of the first the main first events. Main event, yeah, the first main event, yeah. The pacing of the match. They didn't touch each other for the first two minutes of the match mm-hmm. either. They just sort of walked around. Uh, it was a wee bit odd having... So I was a bit later to NXT, so I've seen some NXTs uh, in the bigger arenas takeovers. So it was a bit weird almost looking back at this one in the small arena set up but that you would not have known there were only a couple of hundred people there you could easily have believed there were thousands of people watching it and Sasha's heel work um, she touched on the, when she had uh, Bailey who was selling the hand injury and the uh, Banks escape and she was trying uh, but uh, Bank statement, sorry, trying to reach for the rope and then she starts kicking her hand. Yeah, yeah I love like, that. Oh, it was so vicious. Yeah. Storytelling story at its finest. And then, mm-hmm. James, this, this whole card is built around this match, I think, personally. You've got the, yeah. you got, you got, you had the Dusty Rhodes Classic uh, starting off at that point, but everything was just geared towards these two going at it for half an hour. It's nice to see a match in which the heel is a heel throughout. There's no crowd showboating from Sasha, there's no clever moves, everything is built around the idea that you should hate her. Which is good because, you know, when I watch a match and Orton's the heel, like I'm just using Orton as an example, not specifically because I don't like him, but he hits that RPO and he gets up and he flails his body in the crowd, he wiggles his pecs a bit and I'm just like, don't show off, you're the heel, hit the RPO then kick him in the nuts a few times, like, that's your job. And that's what Sasha did. She taunted the little kid. She booed Bailey's arm. She made fun of her. She pulled her hair. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It's, loved it. Yeah. Sarah, is this a side of Sasha Banks that we kind of miss on the main roster when we got back? This is probably peak Sasha, I think. Oh, hell yeah. I miss this Sasha Banks, if, if I'm honest. Like, <laughs> she was the most cocky heel that I had seen in such a long time. But she made it work. Like, see, going into, like, even just both their matches, like, this was essentially the rematch from Brooklyn. Mm. So Sasha had been away, she'd been pulling double duty on Raw and SmackDown as part of Team Bad. Um, and I said about that the bell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Team Bad. That um, was bad. No, it was still, still absolutely phenomenal. I mean, like there was eye-raking, there was pulling people's hair, there was a game with Izzy. I've not seen that Sasha Banks since then, and it, 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 I miss her a little bit, because that, that was the best Sasha Banks. If she were to turn heel again and do that again, I think it would it absolutely revamp her career. Mm-hmm. One of the things that David brought up, Scott, which I've completely forgot about, was this was in front of the full sale crowd. Yeah. They stuck. They went to Brooklyn for that one time. They've not been back to full sale since for the takeover. You know, so it's just interesting to have that sort of reaction. But it just shows how much 
storytelling that went on between these two over the past, over what it was about a year and a half, they've kind of been very prominent. There are no boots, but I totally agree with what people are saying that this was Sasha our best. This is when wrestling's at best, when there's a clear heel that everyone hates, and a clear face that everyone loves, and we'll get into some other examples as we go on. And and what we really with David in that this kind this edges out the Brooklyn match for me for a few different reasons in that Sasha does anything she can to get uh her hand she takes a count out for one of the falls anything to get to get that advantage and also like the classic heel work the which shades of like Jericho and Oi how much she just doesn't care she's gonna make a child cry she doesn't <laughs> just so that you boo her like Jericho thought about if he was a certain distance from Marina he wouldn't talk to fans no matter if they were kids or adults he wouldn't. Talk it's to funny him. about his ace turned heel on Bailey by supporting the man. <laughs> Kids uh, today. But the man is the peak though. We can't, oh, go, we can't, go, we can't go higher than the man. I hate to bring up a pop culture reference so soon into the show, but this is the Rocky 2 of wrestling matches. This is <laughs> Bailey going in to prove that her performance in the first match was not a fluke. And I love that aspect to baby, uh, babyface storytelling, specifically when it's a babyface like Bailey who fries off of being the sort of innocent underdog. See, when they bring that fire and they bring that heat and it's just watching two warriors fight rather than some innocent girl which Bailey is sometimes being portrayed to be as in the main roster this is the version of Bailey that I like this is peak Bailey never mind peak Sasha as well it's well, yeah. definitely peak Bailey yeah. so say that I prefer this to the Brooklyn match doesn't also take away from the Brooklyn match how good that was but this kind of builds on a few aspects of it because thanks to the Brooklyn match you, every, you immediately buy this as a main event because you believe the story and the, you know that they can pull it off and also Bailey at the end showing that vicious streak which is basically stomping the back of Sasha's head towards the end to get the final fall when they're all tied up and the clogs of everyone down which is kind of a callback to Sasha stamping on the hand of Bailey kind of, get, Bailey kind of getting her payback on Sasha Yeah the finish was really good mm-hmm. the Sasha tapping out it was, it was much better her tapping out at this point than when she tapped out in the similar match against Charlotte on <laughs> the main roster a year, about a year and a half later it's like you're the face and you have tapped out in the last few seconds yeah <laughs> nobody really cares about this feud anymore there uh, was a period of time where Charlotte was basically like Cena though so she still kind of is still kind of is let's, let's not lie they're kind of put that way but what, another thing I quite liked about Emily if you look at the whole thing about this card is this was we kind of had Sasha moving on officially and then on the card we had the debut of Asuka Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like that changing of the guard type. Well, even though we didn't get Asuka versus Bailey until oh wait, that was that show that I forgot about. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the Dallas card. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was the problem with, with Bailey as an underdog, underdog champion the longer she holds the belt the less effective she is yeah. and I think that's what's good about her pairing with Sasha Banks who's built in this sort of uh, confidence and sort of that machismo kind of like pride I like how pairing her up a longer title reign will work with the women's tag team titles but Bailey as a singles champion um, is it has a very quick expiry date oh you're me. so right David I was at Wrestlemania 33 with Lucy and Bailey was going in there as the defending champion. I was bricking at that whole match <laughs> that this was not going to have the outcome that my seven-year-old daughter. It was very, it was very early in the card. Very early in the card as yeah. well for, for WrestleMania, especially. That I was worried that whole whole match. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I want to see the full show. If she had gone in as not the champion, I would have had much more confidence she had come out with. The belt Especially in an elimination fatal four way. Yeah, I didn't remember it was. I, I forgot it was an elimination four way. <laughs> it came to the ring. Is that what? 
<laughs> you know, like panic every match it really has these days. Yeah, pretty much. This <laughs> is not enjoyable. Elimination chamber enter at number one must have been a horrible affair. Horrible. <laughs> yep. Any yeah. match you had prior to Christmas, he was just like, oh, no. <laughs> no heel turns, <laughs> please. <laughs> hmm. uh, but a very deserving match on a on our top eight, especially. It was probably the only match we could have picked on this particular. It was Card. the first yeah. time ever historic event. Ah, there we go. <laughs> What's that? Something I've noticed, actually. They weren't using, like, first time ever in historic. Oh, no, no, they didn't. They didn't. Not they as, did. Not, not as much. They only like do that because the main roster, like, the first ever women's eye on Because I remember... Actually, Bailey Sasha had one. I just remember them just going, it was the first time ever historic, like, literally in that order, and I went, ah, pop. <laughs> they said first ever last women standing as well, and I was like, Asuka and Nikki. Asuka but, and Nikki. Yeah. That totally happened, though. Kevin Owens' first ever match. He's been in NXT for four months now. It's just yeah. weird how they don't acknowledge NXT. Until, yeah. they, until they come up. I think well, that's a Vince thing. Vince doesn't watch NXT apparently, but he should, he should because there's lots of great matches, like the one we're going to talk about next, mm. which got a score of 116. It was a very emotional match that happened in Toronto. Ooh. It was the Revival versus DIY. <laughs> Who else in the panel should I go to? Oh, then, of course... The Revival's biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> and someone who gets very emotional in DIY matches. <laughs> oh, no. like, Sarah. Oh, no. Two out of three falls. Oh. Revival DIY. This is like my favourite match heading into this. Like, I know I didn't vote it as like, my favourite. Well, you're at number two. Exactly. So it's close to being a favourite, but the one I voted number one, I couldn't have voted that as number one. So let's just... But I was like, I was saying before the show that, yes, like I am like a huge Revival fan absolutely huge DIY fan at the time and I'm still not over that heartbreak but um, like this not in the same way (laughs) James it will never be the same (laughs) it's not the same no um, I've still got trust issues from that oh right (laughs) Um, like we're heading into this match it was sort of win-win for me because either one of my favourite two teams was going to walk out champions but at the same time one of my favourite two teams is not going to walk out the champions so this was so so upsetting for me and so so happy in a way but two out of three falls I've always thought is like it should be the stipulation to end a feud it's like best out of three like everyone does that rock paper scissors it's always best out of three everything is always best out of three so in this match ultimate masterclass like this is this was my happy place it's like tag team wrestling actually became important again because like I actually still say that because of these two teams in NXT tag team wrestling started to matter again Mm. Um, and you, you can go wrong. I mean, like the first fall is like Shatter Machine. It's like one of the greatest finishers ever. Oh, it's a fantastic! <laughs> I love that finisher to pieces. It's a fantastic finisher. Cool name too. Cool name. Shatter Machine. Shatter Machine. The finishes that these teams use. I love the Gargano uh, Champa super kick. Oh, the, the, the end of Harry. Yeah. Was that not called? Uh, meet in the middle. It's meet the in the end middle. Harry's Roderick Strong's. Oh, that's that's yeah. Roderick Strong's yeah. backbreaker. It's also the worst. It's also the worst name for a finisher ever. It's in the middle. It's like Sevenfold Song or some other. Band they like so we know what Roderick Strong is doing. Kill Switch Engage, that's it. I haven't had Roderick Strong as a script man before. <laughs> <laughs> before we talk about Roderick Strong, Gary, you it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, fin- the finish, and the, you you may have been coming onto this in a moment, but the the finish of the match with the double the tap double tap out that, well, how, that's a proper that was that was perfect, wasn't yeah. it? It's like you just see them like it's like two best pals going, no, don't you do tap, <laughs> we're in this together, and they're like. Ah. <laughs> fucking tap 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 and you're like 
It was just the emotion in that match. David Campbell, the director of the call. Oh, yeah. it was so pepper. It was so good that Triple H and Stephanie stole it in their Ronda Rousey Kurt Angle match at one point during that. And they didn't even do it right. Yeah, if you're going to pay tribute to something, you do it right. God damn it. All I have to say about this match is say yeah. This is the match that I thought. Like, who are these revival fellows? This guy is bald with a mustache. I don't care about that. They were known as the mechanics of story as well. You're like, wait, what? This is the match that made me think that Scott Dawson is an absolute superstar. So I love both of them together, but Scott, there's something about Scott Dawson that I've always the just, yeah, he's, I've always mustache. just grabbed it. It looks so grumpy all the time. <laughs> I think and I just love it. It's like the downward mustache with the mutton chops. You're like, yeah, he just looks sad. He is the one wrestler on that roster I'd love to just grab a beer with and just listen to talk because I just think no. he can play in 100% of the time. Fists. Yeah. And there's things you talk about tag team wrestling starting to matter. The psychology of the revival in this match was second to none. Like, see this the tricks they were doing, and some of like so something as simple as getting your opponent in the corner and laying into them, they seem to do that in inventive ways in this match. I just remember like it was uh, Dash Wilder like leaning over Gargano at this point, yes. like in the corner. I was just like, this is just so cool oh. and it's so simple. One of the SEO tag team in NXT. One of the things you said, David, uh, earlier on, we talked about the Bailey Sasha match was it wouldn't have been great. It's good without. Was it you said that? I can't remember. Scott said. Scott, sorry, Scott. I'm getting used to it mixed up with your <laughs> matching schlure. <laughs> uh, Scott, you said that the the match before wouldn't be as good without this one. This yeah. is a, another example as well between these two. Their match, their yeah. other match was on our top 24, didn't make the top eight, but that was a brilliant match as well. Yeah, it's, it's a sequel building on the original, as it were. And like, I remember I loved the revival feud with American Alpha. You mm-hmm. had that feel good moment in a weekend and all that. And for a while, I thought when American Alpha went up, like nothing's going to be able to top this few tag team mm-hmm. lives. And this match proved me wrong. Like, cause I obviously wasn't as big a fan of the Brick Club match, but this really pulled me back. And how this isn't five stars, I don't know. I mean, at the time, four point four point five officially it got. It I remember have been when Meltzer was saying, "I don't know if I can quite give it five stars." And Scott Dawson, we was brilliant and said. What if we changed our finisher to the Meltzer machine? Would you give us? A <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what more could they have done to get five stars in that match? <coughs> like Nothing. Like, He's a fraud. Charlotte, James Murphy versus Dave Meltzer coming soon. Seven stars. But to come with Sarah said about two or three falls match, like that's a very underrated stipulation in my opinion because for a while in NXT it seemed to be the ultimate blow off as a two or three mm-hmm. falls match. Yes. While especially in the early days, you had Sammy v Cesaro, you had. They had American Alpha and Revival in one, and they had this one here. It seemed like you want to end a feud, we don't need weapons, we just need good wrestling. No, no it's amazing looking back on it. How Tommaso Ciampa has morphed himself into such a mega heel when there were such big, big baby faces yes. at this point. It's oh. just like, that's how much he. That's how good he is at being a bad guy. The cave was that he was always a bastard. They kind of. But they, Psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-psycho-killer-ps
the, not even the tag teams, but the, all the matches we've discussed so far, the benefit from the meat and potatoes storytelling that Triple H gives them, like, yes, you can have a flashy moveset and good gimmicks, but the builds, the way these matches are structures and the build to them, they're very simple, they're just personal rivalries, they're personal structure, like, the heels go 1-0 up and the baby faces then get the next two fogs, that's like basic storytelling, but it's the way that he allows those wrestlers to go out there and execute it and execute their own vision, mm-hmm. that's what makes NXT special. Like, see, the other thing that I really liked is that this also stemmed from the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and it's like they were meant to meet mm. in the Classic, and then obviously, like, Dawson's just like, oh, I've got a sore leg, I'm on a couch, and then, but they're appearing v- under the ring, and... Very fitting, it actually followed the Dusty Classic yeah. final yeah. With, between AOP and the, the yeah, one, yeah. It's really unusual to see w- really unusual to see WWE do two ta- two tag matches back to back as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much in the middle of the card as well. Mm-hmm. There was a we had Mickey, just, Mickey James was on after them in Chris, Toronto. Yeah, who of TM sixty one was Lee Shane Miller? Randomly, Shane Thorne's just popping up everywhere now. Shane Thorne's mm-hmm. now part of NXT UK. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I was just saying. Are we getting to a point that who's not a part of NXT UK? <laughs> People from UK. My God, it's the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, he's doing. He's doing the UK soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never know. Uh, but no, that's it's. it's you, you kind of miss seeing you kind of see what's happened with the revival since the, it's a, it's a, it seems to be a common theme with this NXT what's happened since you know uh, that's why I'm a big advocate of don't 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 go it's a trap it's a trap because you see what happened yeah. and finally finally the top guys are back on top but it's not the point. Well, they had top a, guys and the top girls now. I know, they, right? They had a great day. I actually love them, actually. They're like, they both actually clinking the belts. Well, love it. They weren't helped by injuries, I think. That was the That kind of yeah. halted their momentum. I mean, one got injured and then... The other one, the the other other one, one got, got injured. injured, which is just so unusual. And, like, they came back at the wrong time because the plan was the bar had beaten all the teams and they realised still got the revival but we don't want to lose to the revival because you need the revival now. And then we left it nowhere to go. Love the bar. Keep them on top. Yeah, but... This is a classic match. It's the only tag team match on our top eight. Surprisingly, like I said, the quality of tag team wrestling we've got. Is it actually? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only tag team match. <laughs> uh, we'll, then, we'll now go on to our match, which was number four. We got a total of 1-1-7. These matches were really, really close in terms of the rankings. One we talked about a matter of minutes ago it is Bailey versus Sasha in Brooklyn. Uh, Scott, we kind of mentioned crowds. Yeah. Um... How hot was the crowd in Brooklyn? The first takeover to be held outside of Full Sail. Yeah, this is like NXT was already by this point well one with amongst the most hardcore fans, and plus this is a big four weekend, so they were going to be hot no matter what you. But it helped that they actually got a good show. And I think I told you, I talked to you about this. Like these two matches with Bailey and Sasha and the Becky Sasha one from Unstoppable the month or so before, they were both helped by the fact that when you watch them, you're so impressed by the quality of them. And it's also helped by the fact that you're watching in the main roster and you're really not getting much in terms of women's wrestling. It seems like just, by the way, these people are pals, but they don't like these ones. So everyone's going to fight at once <coughs> if you don't know who's who anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> this was the night a miracle happened and Bailey became the champion. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like this really special See, match. So yeah, I thought you were going to say your sexy thing after that thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, as a director, you need to appreciate 
the video package that they did for this match between these two it was oh. peak WWE <laughs> it was work. perfect and I love the fading image of the four horsewomen and it's just Bailey being taken out of that the picture. music just slowing down yeah because yeah. they set our motivations up perfectly it's like I am the one who's been overlooked here I am the underdog I am the, I'm just but I'm much a part of this uh, revolution as you guys and I'm the one getting left behind no no how have WWE not won an Emmy for their video for their video editing yet? Because it boggles the mind. It's frowned, it's looked down upon in terms of TV when mm-hmm. in actuality it's the best soap opera that's been on TV for the just, past 25, 30 years. This was it, it just the, this is coming this was at a time when I wasn't even into NXT. Mm-hmm. I really just got back into wrestling. And this was still compelling to someone who was just sort of learning who was who. Mm-hmm. And if that's someone with a passing knowledge of wrestling, surely any wrestling fan would have loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think when I rewatch this, because of how much I've seen of Bailey and Sasha, I just think I understand why you're such a big deal, why you're praised so much. Because that match and the match before it were prime examples of what women were into achieve like, in terms of wrestling. Like, you can criticize the for a lot of things, but you you rarely hear anybody. Uh, crit- criticizing their edit and their video packages because they can do them better than anybody. Oh, that's absolutely phenomenal. But one thing we've kind of outlined Sarah, this these five matches so far is we talk a lot about the cards. If you look at the, the matches that came before this, we had Justin Thunder Liger debuting in WWE. Mm-hmm. We had the, the tag team championship match, which if you look back at it now, Vod Villains versus Blake, Blake, Blake and Murphy mm-hmm. doesn't seem great at the time. The crowd, awesome. the crowd were so into the vaudevillains. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows how good this match was to stand out on this card. Yeah, um, Balor and Joe as well. Oh, I know. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, no, Balor and Owens. Balor and Owens. Sorry, Joe, the match. Yeah, no, he fought Joe match. that many times. It's I know. Joe came after that. Joe came after the Dusty Classic. Yeah, so he did. Um, no, like, see, what I, what really actually drew me into this match is that this, in my eyes, like I know everyone, like I do even talk about Paige and Emma kicking off the Women's Revolution. This is what brought it to light in my opinion like I was a firm believer of the actual revolution going on at the main roster at that particular time but it was actually this one showed what a true revolution can actually be because mm-hmm. like it, it didn't even take much but 15,000 people were brought to their feet by this match you could tell from the get-go that it was it's a plain simple match as well it was classic you've got the good guy versus the bad guy again you could easily see Sasha being the cocky heel coming in in that big escalade and Quacky looks like you're going to fall asleep in my... No, it's no. like a bedtime story. Like yeah. It's like the, the hero and the villain. No, the hero and the villain. It's just like, you know, the princess and the bad guy. So... I was actually listening intently because I was going back to that match. I just felt like my storytelling was that good. The Quacky was just like, oh, bedtime story. Yeah. Once, upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a princess called Bailey and a bad guy called Sasha. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Bailey slayed the dragon after being the ultimate underdog and, you know, took the title. Took and the I think home. that Sarah and Scott have put it beautifully when it came to you're comparing the revolution that was going on in the main roster at that time to what was happening in NXT and we're finally getting it now. What we didn't want with the women's revolution was throw as many women into a match as possible. They've That's all got to, to be see. there. We want to see good storytelling and good time being dedicated mm-hmm. to the women's division. That is what Bailey and Sasha showed us. That is what Bailey and Sasha showed us what the future could be like, and we're yeah. finally getting it now. We're seeing the seeds that were planted here in Brooklyn finally come into fruition. Leading into this year's WrestleMania. It was a really good story going into this. Is Bailey good enough to win it? Can Bailey? 
uh, is, can Bailey win the big match? Can she do the things she needs to do to win the match? And you've seen Bailey start the match with some aggression that you don't usually see from her. But some of the spots in that match, there were some really great spots in it. There was uh, Bailey's, uh, I loved her springboard elbow and <laughs> Sasha in the corner, which you don't see her do anymore, which looked devastating. Okay. Sam, Sasha doing the somersault over the, as the ref was at oh, the ropes, no, that, that over the ref over onto the floor. It's great. And the pop when Bailey hit the belly to belly, when Sasha was holding the ropes and she sort of pulled her up caught her hit the belly to belly the whole place went it mental it was the reverse for Kumana as well oh, you just yeah, like yeah, the belly to belly was in yeah. uh, for me like the whole match the best thing about it was I think for um, for a long time it's the best use of ring work, uh, rope work I've seen because mm-hmm. like a lot of the spots yeah, yeah, involved the ropes and it was just amazing seeing high flying technical submission whatever all years of the ropes is brilliant. Well, see, it also goes back to talking about earlier about Sami Zayn being like the heart and soul. Bailey was the female Sami Zayn at this particular time. Like she was the ultimate underdogs. Like she could never get the big time, and that's what it's like. It worked for the guy. It's like we'll work it for a female, and it worked even better in my opinion than what it did for Sami. I mean, she was like considered the heart and soul, and like everyone else had went away to the main roster. She was left, and she had that division built all the way around her, and it worked. Has there been a purer babyface than Bailey, really? Johnny Gargano. Oh, I just literally turned heel. Yeah, yeah, but for a while. I mean, I don't think I mean, even Bailey could never turn heel. Was thing. still yeah. doing cool. questionable things. To I, think the, I, think, I think at the start of the DIY feud, he was probably the purest babyface yeah. had since Bailey. Oh yeah. Even when Bailey got super mad, I think the most she did was hit someone with a kendo stick.
I will only make it say it feels harsh to criticise any of these matches, but the one thing that I'd pick out about this match is at the beginning of it, there seems to be some nerves and some pacing issues between the two. Mm -hmm. I think that might be because it's the first time these two are performing on a stage this big, that the first time under those huge lights, they're kind of rushing into things a wee bit and they're not giving things as much time as they should possibly. However, they do settle into the match fairly quickly. It was just something I noticed off the bat was like, whoa, they're kind of rushing these sequences a wee bit, a few wee botches here and there, but they settled in quite quickly. I'm going to say there have been good matches that haven't been good matches since Bailey Sasha but I really enjoy one of my favourite women's matches other than the Bailey Sasha is Asuka Ember at Brooklyn 3 and I think that was one of the better matches best women's mat- title matches since the, that feud mm-hmm. which I think speaks just speaks to how good of a standard they set that few matches after it could really get close to it yeah I mean the, this was this is obviously the pinnacle of women's wrestling as we've kind of got in our rank it's the final women's match is going to be on our top eight but we're sexist <laughs> and we probably hate tag wrestling because like, <laughs> yeah. hate women hate tag well, wrestling when you see the top three which well we're... I don't hate women's wrestling or tag wrestling so why didn't you vote them higher then I, I voted the tag wrestling okay. as number two anyway, anyway, anyway. watch yourself <laughs> anyway so yeah you'll understand when we talk in the second half about our top three the quality of the matches the top three were far ahead in the ranking but that's going to be in the second half but we're going to take a short break first where we're going to hear some of the best entrances in the history of NXT TakeOver. And then we're going to talk about our top three. We'll see you in a bit. See ya. Hi, I'm Jenny Pytel and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex and Tweet.
it's your boy Shug D out here swag surfing in Scotland. And when I'm doing my thing, I like to think I do it in this order. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Let me run that back for you. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Remember the order. Listen to the show. Now you know. It's Shug D for the 99-2000. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I am joined by my lovely panel today. And we are talking about the history of NXT TakeOver. Uh, Before we go back onto the subject, thank you again to Debbie Keitel for being the voice of this week's show. You can catch Sarah's lovely interview with her on our back catalogue, iTunes, all good Android podcasting sites, and Spotify. Mm-hmm. Right, so <laughs> before we go back onto the, the final three matches, I just want to outline some of the ones briefly that were um, touched upon <laughs> that we didn't quite get in our top eight. We had the likes of Gargano Ricochet at the recent Phoenix show, the triple threat uh, tag team match at Orlando, oh. the Revival DIY, and Offers of Pain. Uh, we had... Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch at Unstoppable. Yes. yes. Was this your number one team? Be honest. It was number my one? number five. <laughs> which was also, number five? Was also, it was also Sarah one? and David's number five. It's a class, it's a class match. match. Uh, I've just been honourable mention. I used to put it very high. <laughs> yes. I, I hadn't seen it when it came out. I had to watch it before. It was for research for the show. certainly a match. It was so a match. We had some uh, great matches from the early days of TakeOver as well. Sami Zayn and Neville. Yeah. At uh, oh, our evolution, Kevin Owens heel turns amazing. Some of the matches from the Brooklyn ones we noticed we touched upon earlier on. We had War Games too. Didn't get didn't get top. Shockhand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also had the very first match from take from the takeover the specials. It wasn't a takeover at that point in time. Sami Zayn Cesaro. Oh, I love that yeah. match. An absolute phenomenal match. One match that a lot of the listeners when we asked them. Their opinion. A lot of the listeners picked out a lot of our top twenty-four. By the way, the one that came up quite frequently was the six-man ladder match at New Orleans, which wasn't in the top eight. Which makes you realise what might be in the top eight, the top twenty-four. But we may talk about that in a bit. Let's go on to our top three, which were I'm not going to lie. The top three were kind of runaways in terms of points. When we talk again, this is out of one hundred and sixty-eight. This particular match got 135 on our rankings. Uh, it was the first ever NXT TakeOver match to get five-star rating. First ever? Yes. Historic. <laughs> it was the match between Johnny Gargano and Andrade Cien Almas. How was that, Quacker? Uh, yeah, that was good. Uh, Quack, I think I might actually go to you in this one as the biggest Andrade fan that I know. <laughs> what did you make of uh, this match between these two? Um, what a match. Like, for me, like, I'm not scared to admit, like, when NXT started, I was still on my kind of hiatus. I was still kind of crawling into wrestling. And that's when I first went to my first ICW show, and then that's when I was kind of got interested in WWE and the first takeover match I watched that I watched live was Gargano Almas. I'm gonna give him his full name because he's got his name cut on SmackDown it's annoying me. Yeah, really? He's and now just Andrade. I know. It's music say it'll say Cien Almas, but that's another thing. 
But that match was what got me hooked on NXT TakeOver because it was during when I had the month subscription, uh, the free month <laughs> subscription on WWE Network. I just thought, okay, I'll give this a bash. And it was that match that made me not cancel my direct debit <laughs> and I've stuck by since so mm-hmm. yeah uh, Scott and any other show the match that came before this Alistair Black versus Adam Cole would have would have, would have got, oh, no. oh. That. Oh. I that. did it before Dave he's not here don't care not you Dave, oh, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good one see ya uh, Scott uh, this was that would have been match the night any other time but uh, it just shows the calibre of this match and this was we talked earlier on in, in the show about Sami Zayn being the MVP of in the early days. Yeah. Johnny Gargano's firmly has solidified himself as the current MVP, and this was the first, the one in the, the match on his own that that showed just what he was capable of. Yeah, definitely. Like all like all three of these matches could be five stars easily, or they could be like number one for us. But uh, like you said, Johnny Gargano was like one of the purest faces the NXT had at the time. Or all WWE had at this time, and like we knew how good this match could have been, could, like, could be because we had the match at Brooklyn, and then they'd had another match on NXT, and they, they kind of like, they had Andrade and so yeah, dismissing Johnny Star like with you again, have we no beaten you already? Obviously, they're not fake Glasgow didn't say it like that. <laughs> could you imagine though? Right. Well, they just beat Drew. Yeah, the takeover before that they may have inherited something off him. That and his belt, I take your accent, I was going to say, that's, that's how it works. You absorb their accent as well as their championship. <laughs> uh, I, I now speak like an arsehole because Dick Stevens' belt. Uh, James, uh, I, before this match, was, I underestimated Almas as a top level competitor. Uh, we talk a lot about Johnny, but does he not get enough credit compared to Johnny in this one? Or do you think? Uh, I would say he was a better competitor in this match. Andrade saying Almas, he's one of these wrestlers who doesn't really have a comparable counterpart except maybe Rey Mysterio, mm-hmm. which by the way, some of their matches on SmackDown oh. have been phenomenal you can watch that all year Rey Mysterio looks at his 20 it's incredible Uh, but the problem is I think I would say the crowd loved it but if maybe they knew a bit more about who Andrade was this would have been one of those fight forever screaming Zayn and Nakamura type responses I was sad to see Almas lose that title I think it could have held on to him yeah. for a bit longer. I think it made sense for him going up to the main roster. I mean, yeah, they underutilized them, but they're using them well now. Yeah, absolutely. He's now getting very well used. But uh, David, we've talked a lot in this show about finishes to match. We talked mm. about it in the match just before the break with Bailey and Sasha. Mm-hmm. The finishing sequence to this one, the double knees on the apron mm-hmm. yeah. to the ring post. Oh my god, Johnny looked like he was dead. I actually think, and this is high praise, it's my favourite finish of any of the matches we're discussing on today's list. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to a lot. Um, good commentary makes good matches. My Ronaldo's constant reminder that Johnny might be basically dying if he takes an hour <laughs> to the neck or head um, kind of made you think, yeah, yeah, you're right, Myro. And then all of a sudden, double knees to the, the bloody pole. And you're like, oh my goodness. I actually forgot that, and then as soon as you mentioned it, I just saw the flash in my head yeah. of remembering that happening and shouting at home, just going, ooh! Yeah, and people, people forget how effective a DDT finisher could be, and I think Andrade is one of the few people who uses it extremely well. Yeah, um, yeah. Better than Alexa Blisses. Yeah, and I also wanted to bring up 
when I made my debut in this show more than a year ago now, one of the first things that I said was Zelina Vega makes Andrade Cien Almas the competitor and character that he is and she paid dividends in this mm. match. She helped to increase the drama. We had that part of the what was effective about the finish was Zelina wasn't even at ringside because Candice came out and chased her, her <laughs> Hornswoggle style off into the sunset. Um, but one thing I like about it adds a wee bit extra. We've got a fantastic match, but see, it's all about stories. Oh yeah. And what helped made this was what happened after the match <laughs> where we saw the return of, of the psycho killer, Tommaso Jamba. Oh yeah. I mean, what else could you have done at the end of that match? I mean, did that involve the watermark? No, no, yeah. no. It was just no, the, the, the I don't even had a watermark. The I think it was the crutch. It was the it was the crutch. No, I think it was the watermark. Only the watermark came up just before the crutch came out. Well, there we go. It's a perfect time to talk to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my crying is different. I'm never going to live that down, but then I milk it like, as much as I possibly can. I know, like, the debut of the crutch, I mean, it was like the end of one of you, and it's just like, right, kickstart the next one. It's like, we've been waiting for this to kick off ever since uh, the ladder match, and we are like, we had to wait like a whole nine months to a year to get this, and it was the debut of the crutch. Debut of the crotch. Wait, it sounds like you're saying crotches. <laughs> I mean, I am the creepy one. Right. Right. <laughs> well, Big star of the year, according to Master Champion, the crotch. Crunchy. What you don't see in the other camera angle is <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's, it's nice to see the crutch you get out. sound like I go halfway across the world to take pictures of people's crutches. It's crutches. <laughs> to be fair, it's nice to see that the crutch got caught in the main roster recently with Becky Lynch. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the crutch has been, you know, having a rough time of it, sitting at home, not being able to make the money, so glad it's in employment again. No. Well deserving of the first WWE five star match since CM Punk and John Cena. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely. And it took that long. But that's the thing. You talk about length. Like WWE don't give their competitors enough time. Or the majority of the times, for lack of a better term, they cut matches off at around the twenty minute mark typically. Even for main events, sometimes this match goes on like thirty five to forty minutes, I believe. Oh, it's a solid. It's a yeah. solid match. Yeah, and that's what giving the competitors enough room to breathe and grow and to build suspense and have a finish that doesn't feel out of place or out of time that's when you're going to get these five star classics and a lot of the time especially in the main roster they just don't give the wrestlers enough time to do that no and it's the fact that NXT when you really think about it has been around for so long at this point and been putting it such so many great matches one, one take after the other that you really realise wait, wait this is the only one that's got five stars it really just but so what her goodest match is and how apparently flawed Mr. Meltzer's system is. Yeah. Well, I think the, how flawed his system potentially is is outlined in our number two match. It's a match that happened at NXT TakeOver Chicago. It's one that from a British and Scottish perspective obviously makes us absolutely proud at how high this has been ranked. Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate mm. for the UK Championship. Woo! James, you had this <laughs> as your number one. I did. Uh, there is no better example of the pure wrestling style than this match in NXT or WWE. Mm -hmm. It's just, they don't even really tell a great story because the entire thing was just, I had the belt, you had the belt, let's wrestle and see who's better. There's, they don't really hate each other that much. No, oh, they're, 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 they're pals in every other promotion. Because like, Tyler Bate, like, he's like, oh, I think they've had some promos around it. 
But they were, it was all very mm-hmm. parallel. It never actually connected. But the match itself told you all you needed to know. It was. It was. And it was this one of these guys is a sick, sort of like twisted, brutality-based fighter, and one of them is a, an athlete who attempts to divide his opponent through just superior stamina and strength. Yeah. And. That's really what I like. I, I don't think there's anything else I could say when I watch this match. It's not, I don't care that Pete Dunne kicked his dog or whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, I just want to see one of them win. No, it's, 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 it's amazing to say that when you think a couple of months before that, the two of them were fighting in town halls in mm-hmm. like Kilmarnock. I mean, Tyler Bate fought Kieran Kelly a couple of months before it. And then, they were, and then they were in Chicago. How, it was just so, shows how far they'd came and they... You can tell that by how, how well they performed and how much it meant to the tour. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like you say, like, Tyler Bate was fighting Key and Kelly. Uh, like, it was like an SWA show, wasn't it? Or, like, it was in Kilmarnock. Like, something or BCW, something. like one of the two. And you just, going from that to that, on like such a high calibre, it made you absolutely proud. I mean, I remember sitting watching this match and like, remembering it was a rematch from... Like the inaugural tournament when they were just starting kicking off, there was no NXT UK brand. There was just a United Kingdom champion. That at this point you didn't know what was going to go on with the actual championship that was that, that had been given to Tyler at this particular time. I actually stated like before before we started recording like how different that these guys look in comparison. Just and that this was only like a couple of years ago as well. It wasn't even that long no, ago. No, it's barely even. And it's barely it's how different the Tyler looks, how grown up he looks, and how Pete looks a lot older as well. They molded. Mm. But at, like from a British standpoint, I mean, I don't think there was a single person in the whole of the United Kingdom that was sitting watching this that wasn't feeling a moment of pride that these guys were putting out an absolute stellar match and it got match of the year. Like we were saying that it was, it was like May time, I'm pretty sure this was. May was, it was. May and we were also saying it's a match of the year contender and it wasn't carried through mm. till the rest of the year that ended. Now, uh, David, I'll think there's certain things you can see <coughs> in how WWE presents matches that make you think they're taking this very seriously. On an NXT TakeOver card, not even a big four one at that point in time, it coincided, it was just in May in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they bring JR out to commentate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it makes oh, yeah. this match, that is a very effective uh, pairing of JR and Nigel McGuinness in this, in this <laughs> contest. Um, purely because they're two voices you don't expect to hear next to each other, but mm-hmm. they also do their best to get across a sense of legitimacy when it comes to this match. And I think James touched on that, and it's a very important point. For my money, the Bruiserweight is the most effective gimmick in professional wrestling today because he's not good, he's not even evil, he's just a force of nature. He's a man, like James said, who goes out to win every single match he goes into and it was JR Nigel's like, oh, ah, ee, like every time he like, manipulated a joint or anything like that, that just sold. This was maybe my first exposure to Pete Dunne because I wasn't an avid watcher of the UK tournament, but it sold to me just how dangerous that man can be and I was very impressed. Yeah, Scott, I mean, Pete, Pete Dunne. Mm-hmm. It's freakish how young. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know Pete Dunne's not exactly old, but Tyler Bate. It's, just, it's, yeah. just, it's, all, it's disgusting. <laughs> Tyler Bate was younger. Is younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of myself. Twenty-two, isn't it? He's twenty-two now. Yeah. He was twenty during this twenty match. is the time of the match. Yeah. 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 He was a lot younger than me. The parallels we saw the wee video before the match is parallels between myself and David Totney and there's a man 
<laughs> we felt he should have won a championship rightfully and can't believe that he lost it to someone else so goes into the rematch I can't believe so you're much comparing more. David Hockney to Tyler Bates <laughs> 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 David Hockney versus Tyler Bates I'd love to see that no, I, don't know, like, I can't believe I lost to Tyler Bates and I'm watching him hold what should be mine which is similar to how I felt to David Hockney when he stole this championship from me uh, the Royal Rumble was a sour times I'm better now but it's like you're saying it's like James is saying it's just a simple story yeah. man has title man wants title <laughs> men will fight for title and it's, it's, it, yeah. it's like it's like what I've been saying all along you don't need complicated intricate plots with a higher power or anything like that to have good example. yeah <laughs> to have good David, wrestling David it's interesting because you actually rated this the lowest out of everybody in this panel true we've got an overall score of 148 so your rating of nine of your ninth best match wasn't yeah. exactly the worst thing. But I think it's my fondness for the women's division really is where NXT shines for me and I think I ranked three women's matches above this. Yeah, yeah. Bailey Sasha. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bailey Sa No, not even one Bailey Sasha. Oh yeah, yeah quite a lot of the women's matches. Yeah, and I think it's the I think for me it's the fact that I was pro- I'm pro- underexposed to UK product compared to a lot of the other guys at the table here. But if there's one match and actually watching it again recently that's going to make me go back and explore the UK product a lot more in depth and especially the back catalogue of Pete Dunne who like I say I think is the most effective character in wrestling today is definitely this match so ranking it 9 it's like <laughs> ranking it 9 in the, the greatest of all time you know what I mean it's still an exemplary match just on a personal level from a personal connection to it I'm not as invested as probably everyone else it was, just, it was, it was just good because it showed how much they were taking or seen seriously to yeah. book it on such a big show yeah, look at the other matches on the show you had that you had AOP DIY say that until Pete Dunne loses to Walter has he not got learned the longest undefeated is he uh, undefeated no he's lost longest the, championship he's, he's lost in NXT TV I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah he has yeah he got pinned at New Orleans and that when uh, Roddy turned on him. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, but he's got his championship ring with his. Oh, he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming up 600 years well past that. Well past that. No, it was, it was like five, six something last Stephen, year. Stephen, just what you were saying when a Chicago crowd is chanting UK over and over <laughs> again. That is, that is a <laughs> like, moment. That's so a we moment. We looked like JR, and if you see with me, one of the people that says maximize your minutes, like, they may not have had much exposure to the US audience than we well known to work for us, but. Uh, like the fact that they eventually got the Curtis Chat fight better and UK. The fact that they voted for this match, and this is the match that everybody remembers from this show over the DIY EOP Larris. A lot of people only would probably remember that for the angle of that, which I won't get into before. Thank so you. I can write right myself. Pete Dunne has now held the UK Championship for 643 days. Jeez. And counting. Plus! Uh, like you talk, we talk about how young they were. Like, I think that's what kind of plays in us because Tyler Bate is so young, so he's constantly going for these high spots. He's going going around the outside, coming off the top, and he goes for one too many, and that's when he gets caught, and that's where that's it, that's it. he's down for. That aeroplane spin is a thing of beauty. Yeah. It's the fact that it's like picks up speed, and you're like, is yeah. he ever going to stop? So how could you not get this? And then you, you see him stumble around going, oh, okay, there you I go. To, he is actually human. I need to ask the panel a very serious question. Oh. Pete Dunn versus Walter. When is that? It's going to be at the next. It's supposed to be in New York. Spoiler alert! It's going to be the next takeover show. So that'll be just after Brexit happens, maybe. So you think Brexit culminates <laughs> with an Austrian getting the UK championship? <laughs> Is this acceptable? God. Before before James goes all Brexit on, as I think we should um, Brexit James. Full disclosure: I do not support Brexit in any way. I think we should Brexit have a James BJ. <laughs> I think we should have a bit of a drum roll as we're about to announce our top match. 
up too much. Not the sound. <laughs> it's a match which got a total of 163 out of 168. Nice. It was that universally liked across our panel. Only three people didn't vote it as number one. And it's no way, Jose. Did he even fight? No. It is, of course, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, unsanctioned match. New Orleans. Woo! Had to be. What a match. Sarah, take us away. Of course you're going to put me first, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, like, this, this is the feud that broke my heart. I mean, of course. But no, unsanctioned match. Going into this, like, you can see even from the get-go, the referee was not wearing his t- traditional referee clothes. Champa was not wearing his traditional gear. And neither was Johnny Gargano. They were just in normal clothes. We are like, this is not sanctioned. Nothing to do with us. It's like, Ken, what? You guys just, you've, we've had enough of you. Just, you do it. And we are going to have no part of this. It's like, whatever you do, if you die, you die. Right? That's the, that was the mentality of, that was meant to come across. But it worked because it just showed how much these two hated each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, the build-up from, from, that, from that ladder match to, to this... Absolutely phenomenal. It's like it was just getting higher and higher and higher. And I don't think I've been more scared for anyone's safety in an unsanctioned match than I had for this one. It's amazing, uh, David, I'll go here this one. When we compare these this match to the match we just talked about previously, that was yeah. typical British wrestling technical masterclass. This wasn't exactly technical classic considering how good these two are technical wrestlers. It was just two guys we storyline, despised each other. Yeah. I kicked lumps of each other. This is a wrestling storytelling at its best. And I also want to say that the unsanctioned match is probably one of the few protected stipulations in wrestling today. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever there's an unsanctioned match, you know that stuff is about to go down. Um, <laughs> it's when you get the popcorn out. Yeah, yes. exactly. And it's like, it was just the constant callbacks throughout the match, the storytelling, the chemistry that both guys had. The fact they were exposing concrete, the finish with the knee brace, all of it just mm-hmm. blended perfectly together in this brutal, brutal mix of blood, sweat and tears. And the fact is that we went into it and you kind of knew that Johnny was going to win because this was also for Johnny Gargano's NXT contract. Mm. However, it's like what Gary was saying, a good match tricks you into thinking either of these men can win even if you have an inkling where the story's going and that's what happened here uh, with Champa and Gargano yeah uh, when I got some listener feedback Scott there was so many moments a lot of people said that was a callback to this match and some of the ones I kind of think of I believe it was this one where they had the guy the, the fan in the in the crowd with the sign oh and he ripped it and he ripped it and then Johnny whacked him there was of course the finish with the knee brace into the Gargano escape. The sit down like the cruiserweight classy, like callbacks are plenty in this. Mm. It was just, it's just, everything's done yeah. so, so perfectly. It's just peak NXT yeah, at this we, point. We talked about how hard it was to rank these. When I went into the rankings, I immediately scrolled down to Matt Champa V Gargano, New Orleans, number one. Like, mm-hmm. didn't even have to question it because for me personally, the Gargano, Gargano Champa feud around this time, best story WD has ever done. Like, maybe ever, maybe in the top five ever. This is the best in the last five years for me. Because I don't think... And the reason I put this number one especially is all these ma- all the matches we've talked about, I haven't been invested in the story at nearly as much as I was for this one. Because like you said, like, Johnny needed, felt like he needed to win to get for his contract. This is also WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. Around the time of call-ups, he could believably lose, build the heat, even more nuclear heat on Champa than he already had. And he really had it. And let Johnny go up because they'd had 
even Daniel Bryan was still GM, he, he's, oh, I'd love to have Johnny Gargano on yeah. SmackDown. Yeah, uh, James, I think this just shows the quality of this match. When you look at kind of our rankings, it's, these two have had three matches in the last year. This is both the only one of these two that we picked. And when you look at the other big match that happened on this card, the six-man ladder match for the North American title, it just shows how good this actually was. When you look at the competition it's had to get up for top matches, how unanimously we picked it. It's far and away the best Gargano champion match that has ever existed. And that includes the work as a tag team. Mm-hmm. And it's far and away at least one of the best matches to ever take place on WWE television. And that's a big ballpark given that that goes back to, you know, Austin, Bret Hart, that goes back to Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. This is one of the best matches I've ever seen. It's just, it's it's just so good. Great! And the thing is, like David said, it's not like an unsanctioned match can ever be twisted in any way. Like, you know, John Cena would have I Quit matches where someone would say I Quit and he'd still bar them anyway. Yeah. That's not part of the match. An unsanctioned match is just pure hatred that ends only when begrudgingly a referee ends it. Yeah. With like, a, is that a pinfall? This match, if I, if I remember right, this match ends with a... Taps out. Taps out. Taps out to the Gargano There's a rope DDT which then changes... Uh, it's so complicated. There's so many... The rope, the, the rope DDT is the, fit, the big finish to the second match. Yeah, that's the second match. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the big finish. This was just a tap out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but... Is that when he brought the knee brace to Torment? Yeah. He brought in the... He brought in, was it the crutch? And then yeah, Gargano yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of looked at him like your puppy would look at you when you yeah. burst in the puppy. He's like, don't hit me, don't hit me, we're best friends. He's like, just just forgive me. He's like, I'm so sorry I ever did this. You're like, yeah, I have bullshit. That's just a great moment of pure... Because it's so, it scarred it's the Lion King. Like, up, went, oh, yeah, it's scarred <laughs> pleading to Simba not to attack oh, him at the end of the, of the movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, because Champa is that character. He's evil and he's twisted. But don't forget Champa's motivations for attacking Johnny in the first place. It wasn't because he hated him, it was because he was injured and he was afraid he was going to get replaced. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, Sarah, you said about the, the match kind of built, built up, but you kind of look at. From, from May to January, we did not see Tommaso Ciampa. Nope. It was literally just Tommaso Ciampa on Twitter being absolutely the troll that he is. I destroyed your wedding pictures. There <laughs> you go, yeah. guys. It's just, it, it, it's, it's the simple things. Like One of my favourite tweets of his is like, you playing as day two in 2K18 or 19 or whatever it was, and he says he, he recreated the thing for Chicago, and the tears on Johnny's face are so lifelike in these games. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as... I love him. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect match. Like, we, we talked yeah. about how the done bait match cat overshadowed the, the ladder match, and that's what people remember. Like, you really thought when the ladder match opened the show, there was a fear of could this overshadow this story that had been building for so long? That, and the fact that we both remember either of them, and like, we're like, either neither of those matches get five stars. I'll be shot, and they both got five stars. Well deserved. Champa came out to no music this night, didn't he? Oh, yeah. oh that heel was heel heat. Looking like heel heat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super, he super. Didn't, he, so he didn't need the music. You, can, you, you feel sorry a wee bit for kind of you got Alistair Black and an Almas on the match before. This is Black's big match for the title, but yeah. as much as people love Black, nobody cares about it. All they want to see is these two. That was also the question of would they close the show with these two? Yeah. Would they have the traditional title match with it, and they were right. To close That's the, the question. Moment. People were thinking like, if if Champa's going to win. Then there's a chance Almas and Black will go on last because, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. there's a chance they probably wouldn't want to end the show 
with that with the winner being booed at the building like that. Well, they done it for WrestleMania a few times. Yeah, they did it for WrestleMania. That next night. <laughs> yeah, I feel that they did for the very next takeover when Champa won. Yeah, no, there's no way that this match couldn't have closed the show though. I mean, this is like the debate that we always have. Like, I know Ross likes to say that it's like the title match should really go on last. It's supposed to be like the big culmination mm-hmm. of everything. But when a storytelling is so intense, how can you not make that close the show? I mean, if even if it hadn't been for the title, who who gives a crap? Yeah. It's like that storytelling. Nobody can say. That during this time that they were not invested in it. I mean, like, I was heartbroken from the night that it happened when he got, t- when he got thrown into the LED board and I was crying. I was just like, oh my god, how, how could this happen? To then, they all just coming around full circle. It's like, yeah, oh, you can't even put it into words. And we've talked about heart and soul a lot today. Sami Zayn, the heart and soul of the NXT men's division. Bailey, the heart and soul of the NXT women's division. DIY were the heart and soul of the NXT tag, tag team division. Yes, so are. when those two break up, that is your story. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a very very fitting way. Actually, it's a very deserving number one. I think, and I think we're all happy that it was chosen to be yeah. our number one, despite some of the competition. You know, we had a, a very stiff, stiff, a very good set of matches to choose from. So it's very yeah. pleasing that one that's universally played praised by both us, mm-hmm. the listeners, pretty much near enough. So many of the listeners put Johnny Gargano as their MVP of NXT. Like like starting from end to finish, like you see it it starts out with Sami Zayn and it's continuing on with Johnny Gargano, like he is Mr. Takeover, but mm-hmm. Sami Zayn was the heart and soul of NXT and it's now the passing of the torch. Who's gonna be the next it's one once Johnny knows up? Somebody threatened that the two of them could end up finishing it a year later in New York, but that's for the next set of great NXT that's for the next five years. We've done our best to kinda of go over some of the best of the last five years. It was so, so hard. So many great matches. Out. We've done a very good job of ranking them. All part two of the 24 matches we chose got over four on the Meltzer scale. Mm. Yeah, but what does he know? He's <laughs> a fraud. <laughs> and before... I, wait, hold on. I formally predict that at WWE, hold on, WrestleMania NXT, everyone but Hanson and Volvo lose their titles. Um, That's an interesting thought you heard here. Can I I make a point? Mm. This is a real thing of enjoy wrestling for what it is. Don't bother about going on the internet to find out if you should like or not. Just like it for what you feel. Spot on. Quacky, I think that's a very fitting point to end this show. No, I don't want to end the show yet. Because I don't think we've talked about the reason we're all here today. And that's for a championship celebration. No. But it's not for you. (laughs) I am sick and tired of you. And the rest of those idiots at Roscoe <laughs> overshadowing the goal. Oh, Quite yeah. frankly, Scott, you've not been relevant at Roscoe until the last two months where you decided to rear your ugly head. I am sick and tired of being dragged down by that perpetual loser, Nathan Fisher. And Ross, if you're listening, I am sick of you having your name over the door. I am forming my own stable, the Four Goatsmen of the SSR. <laughs> and I already have their names. Gary Kernahan, Derek Kernahan, and Stacey Smith, we are taking over. And to start that reign off with a bang, I'm wasting no time to take back my baby. I am cashing in, spare changing the tin. So, Kwaku, if you would do the honours, let's get a question on this table. God, I really hope you win. You son of a bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now been official that David the Goat Campbell is cashing in, is spare change in the tent, 
contract. Let's do it. It's a good thing I have a question to David. I really hope you get this right. There's that speeches. Are you asking the question? I have the question. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Now, the question here, folks, I have it ready. That question is this. Kofi Kingston has recently done very well and got himself in the main event title picture. My question to you all is, how many pay-per-view appearances has Kofi Kingston made in the WWE? Nearest answer wins a bet. What? Oh. Is this pre-show or main show? Mm, I'm not sure. As part of attack, as part of attack team or solo? Uh, I, think I think it's just general, just just general appearances. How many appearances has oh. he made? Okay. Oh. God, my heart. This is according to Pro Fight Database. 700? I don't know. <laughs> Loads? Look at the anticipation of this. It's actually like oh. five because Xavier went to the all the other ones. I'm sorry, Eva, if it doesn't work out, that speech alone was brilliant! <laughs> I feel bad that I didn't get that all on video though. Closest answer wins the belt. I'm putting a random number here and hoping for the best. This is for Goldie. Yeah. Can I have the pen? Oh. No, you can't have the pen. <laughs> see an this is preventing the cash in. <laughs> Give us the pen. Most pay-per-view appeals. To all our listeners at home, there is excitement Wait. in the studio. What's it's that? not just silent. Right. Here we go. Oh. Do you want me to read out Cha- numbers? Champion. Six. Champion first. Okay, what's well, Scott. Good. About 56, I don't know. 56. Campbell. Campbell. 60. The correct answer is 90. Yes! Free time, baby! <laughs> and the overstock! The Goldsman's reign begins with the champ! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, presenting. This is the clan all along. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. World champion. There's no star the but greatest. me. There's no of star but me. Time. For the four goatsmen, baby. Kevin Smith. Roscoe, thank you for nothing. Goodbye. <laughs> On that note, I would that like to. Amazing. I would like to thank my lovely panel today, Gary. Sarah, James, <laughs> Scott, David, and the goats. I'm the champ. You know what? I wasn't even the biggest heel on this panel. And of course, and of course, Quacko. Next week we will be talking about the history of NXT Takeover. Before we go on to WrestleMania month, go to Mania, baby. <laughs> NXT, 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 NXT UK. That's ah, okay. This is amazing. We've got a great month of stuff. Scott's face is priceless. We will hear you next week. From us, good night. Bye. Good night. Listen, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of dick tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday. I don't care if she's feeling contractions. Get on it right now.